0: I actually haven't got an idea for an intro this week, so if anybody else wants to take it, speak now, forever hold your peace.
1: Do do you have a moment to talk about my Lord and Savior Paul Spagaro? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that'd be a
0: terrible <laughs> intro. <laughs> King was too busy working the shaft over KTM. Welcome back to <laughs> Motorsport 101. <laughs> Oh please, please, please do something.
2: Else.
0: Oh, God, no. This brings a whole new meaning to the phrase Big Dick Six. Um <laughs>
3: But spark rose number forty-four.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsport 101.
1: I can't believe. You are the world
2: champion!
0: And there, kids, is the best intro in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, King. Had to do it to you. <laughs> Oh lord, I did it to myself He really did Hi everybody, I'm your friendly neighbour Mr. Andre Harrison and welcome to episode 212 of uh, Kings After Dark um, <laughs> Also known as Motorsport 101 um, King I I, I apologise for the uh, lewd intro but I can guarantee you only one thing We're keeping that in Um <laughs> uh. <laughs> Hey, to be fair, your man's did had, had a, did have a very good weekend.
1: Yes, very, very
0: good. Yeah, even even your wasn't terrible. It was a good weekend all round. <laughs> <laughs> even your almost finished in the top ten. Almost, almost. <laughs> these are important matters. Meanwhile, coming from the other side of the pond as well. Um, he's trying to busy wrangling, stealing the Astor Cup back from the grips of Scott Dixon this weekend. It's RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir.
3: Uh, hi. Um, gosh, man, I'm just living right now. We're going to Northern California to go decide a to go decide an IndyCar title this coming weekend.
0: <laughs> oh, damn will we get it into that four-way title decider at the end of the show? Because uh, it is...
1: But deep down, you know it's
0: only three. Y-
3: yeah. Um, yeah, you know it's so deep down that NBC Sports isn't including Scott Ditson on any promotional materials that determine the championship race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the permutations are, shall we say, extensive. Um Sleep. but that, but that's
1: where that's where Dixon comes comes at you, where you don't see it coming, and then all hell breaks loose he st- and ah, through the damn. the smoke and the dust, Scott Dixon emerges
0: with the Astro Cup. <laughs> well the lights go dark and his hell's bells start playing. <laughs> <laughs> I see I, I see how this is. <laughs> oh boy. Let's get some general housekeeping out of the way before all anarchy breaks loose on this show. And this was, like, only for the second time today after AJ Styles was on a pre-show, apparently. Um, basically, you can find this real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can. At Harrison101HD for me. At Ryan Eric King. That's if two Ks for King. And if you want to follow RJ on Twitter, you can at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server, where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Shout-out as well to our audience as always. Hello to Vic, hello to Brian, hello to Charles, and to our partner in crime, Lewis, as well. Um, he's b- back from a, a busy weekend working the social medias at Misano, and uh, a lot went down that weekend, so to speak. But, yeah, uh, we got a interesting uh, running order this time round. As mentioned, main event of the show, we'll be talking about the MotoGP weekend at Misano, as Mark Marquez and Fabio Quartararo went to war that's always a fun time for all involved um and we had handbags lots of handbags not just in the main class either in moto 2 and in moto 3 controversy in all all across the board it was a uh, fun time for all involved well Maybe if you're not Marquez or Valentino, depends on the context. <laughs> All of that and a lot more. We'll be talking about the news as well. Yeah, actually, yeah, Moto E as well. Lewis is about to be split in this as well. Very good point. Uh, also, a lot of news. There's a, there's a there's some pollution in the air in Singapore. MotoGP GP wants to take a page out of F1's book. I'll, and and that and I'm not just talking about their social media friendship either. Um, we actually get official word of what Mercedes Formula E lineup is. Hint, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> a uh, absolute shit show in a V8 supercars over um, from our Aussie cousins. Uh, René Rass winning the DTM title, um, World Rally Championship in Turkey, and we'll be previewing a massive triple header, uh, including one season finale for the Astor Cup, Formula One in Singapore, and MotoGP at Aragon, just to name a few. Um, it's going to be an absolutely heaped affair, so keep half an eye on that one. It should be fun indeed. So, without further ado, after this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about GP at Misano. Okay, fellas. So we just had a Grand Prix uh, 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 over in San Marino. You know, apparently some guy called Valentino lives just down the road. Um, Apparently there was a lot of yellow in attendance. Can I I, I confirm this? Um, Yeah, that sounds about right. Like that does sound about right. Did uh, anybody see the footage earlier this week of him basically bringing his hometown to a standstill? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, his home, his hometown of Tavilia um, actually had Rossi do a procession through the town square and uh, the whole thing was brought to a standstill people were lining up through the streets to see, to see their hero ride through town like I, I don't exaggerate when I say this this man really is god in that town like uh, <laughs> it, it, it's Valentino Rossi god and Francisco Totti in that order in descending order,
3: quite frankly. Um, Tavolia turned the hell out for this. Yeah,
0: so much so, even Lando Norris showed up, via the power of Photoshop. <laughs> Co- complete in uh, complete in a ye- yellow garb. Um, whoever had that bright idea on Photoshop and put it on the MotoGP social media page, cookie for you, sir. <clears throat> I wonder who that could have been. Um... <laughs> Friends, friendship, everybody, um, gotta love it. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as Lewis points out in the Discord, uh, the, yeah, there there really is no one in in motorsport with this kind of following that you could just basically bring a town square to its knees. It was uh, beautiful. It was ridiculous. It was peak Valentino, and that wasn't even the spiciest thing he got up to that
3: weekend. Um, When I think of somebody bringing an entire town to its knees, I think of like a DC Comics supervillain. Not a motorcycle rider.
0: <laughs> yeah, that like, that sounds like something Darkseid would do, rather than Valentino Rossi. But uh, apparently Rossi said it was a lifelong dream of his to be able to do this, and uh, he did. And as RJ pointed to, they turned the fuck out. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out on MotoGP's social media page. You're probably going to have to go through about three hours worth of scrolling to find it now, given how uh, hectic the weekend's action was, starting from Saturday, as a matter of fact. But uh, yeah, certainly worth worth a few minutes of your time to check it out. It is uh, incredible footage. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely worth a view. It is a, a fun time indeed. So, to the weekend's action itself and, uh, oh my god, Paul de Spagaro almost put it on pole. Um, King, um, how uh, shall we say uh, excited were you? Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd have to say Twelve. I, I, I would have had it down as forty-four myself, but uh, <laughs> that works too. I'm um, my honesty.
3: Um, and <laughs> How high did your voice shoot up when that lap came across? <laughs> Extremely high.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love seeing. I love. See, I saw a clip of the world of the world feed footage of the last few minutes of it, and like um, the the, the kind of commentator is just going. Paul, when Paul went over the line <laughs> out of shock thinking oh my god his name lit up bright red i was like oh my god is this actually happening
3: <laughs> is this real life he was about to become pole as <laughs>
0: until maverick Vinales spoiled our fun <sighs> Th- thanks maverick thanks a bunch um but it, yeah. it, it was still ktm's best ever qualifying result as a factory in second place just a couple attempts behind Maverick Vinales. Um, a, a stonking effort from Paul Espago, who we've mentioned before, is probably been low-key, maybe the rider of the season, if you take the almost expected brilliance of uh, Mark Marquez off the table. Um, f- best of the rest contender, almost certainly pound for pound, has been Paul. I don't like Fumaring King on these things, but like, even I can't deny, <laughs> the man has been tremendous all season long. And... Uh, yeah, that was uh, in- incredible stuff. I have to say, incredible stuff to see. Very, very fun indeed. Um, we almost had a had a KTM on pole and uh, in, in shocked the world. And as Lewis puts in the Discord, a very fun fact: first time since Qatar when someone other than Marc Marquez or Fabio Quartararo has been on pole position. Yikes. I think I think uh, my man David uh, C- at CRL Stone mentioned the same thing as well, so shout out to him. I think he mentioned a very similar stats because I was, was going to bring up there, but yeah, absolutely true. Um, that, uh, yeah, like those have been like Marquez and uh, Quattro has been the one-lap guys for most of the season, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know what you're thinking. Wait, isn't this normally the part where Mark Marquez pulls out a stupidly banzai final lap and steals pole position? Well, well, <sighs> <sighs> <clears throat> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you round 720 of Marquez versus Rossi, handbags at 10 paces. Oh dear, now, Marquez and Rossi were together on track, taking part in their final hot laps Crown um, Masano. <laughs> Rossi's already had his lap disqualified by I think by turn six because they were very stringent on track limits this weekend. The rule being you are allowed on the red and the white part of the curb. Each curb had a further curb in green. You are not allowed to have both wheels on the green. Basically, if you did in qualifying, you'd have your lap cancelled. If you did it during the race, you'd be warned, and a repeated violation would result in a long lap penalty. Or if it's too late for the penalty to be administered, a time penalty. Remember that it becomes very important later um, in, the, in the lower categories. But uh, Rossi had already had his lap cancelled um, at turn six. Um, Marquez tries to overtake him in doing like he, he, he literally carves Valentino up on the back straight because um, if, if, if you know Masano's track, there's a triple right hander, very fast before the, the turn 14 hairpin. Yeah, that's
3: brilliant pass. Perfect perfect pass to get him up into P1. Except this wasn't during a race. This was during the closing <laughs> minutes of a qualifying session,
0: indeed. And uh, it didn't exactly help well, in the process of doing that Marquez himself put two wheels um on the green in the process of that. Um so Marquez's lap was now cancelled. That didn't stop Valentino Rossi, though, from dive-bombing him into the Turn 14 hairpin and almost initiating contact between the pair of them. Um, all of a sudden, all of MotoGP's social media team has their hearts in their mouths, and all of us is about to jump out of windows going, oh no, not again. <laughs> not not Marquez V Rossi round 16. Um, <laughs> this was wild to watch in real time. Um t- it's uh, it, it's a lot. And as Luz mentioned, Dustin, I'll say this. Marquez started following people a lot in free practice and qualifying lately. See how he took pole and Magello. If you don't want to get messed about by other riders, maybe don't follow them. It's a very valid point. Um, this has been happening a lot. And to be fair, it's not just Marquez. This is happening up and down the field. We saw it at Silverstone as well, where Marquez yeah. was following Rossi. And you know, Rossi put in a pretty great lap to put himself very briefly on pole. Before Marquez took four temps out the field, this is happening more and more frequently in the top flight. It was normally exclusively a Moto3 problem. <laughs> it's starting to become a thing in the top class as well. As yeah, Lewis mentions again, Andre Iannone, serial offender. He was doing this way before it was cool a couple of years ago. Um, so it's becoming a thing where toes are becoming more and more inf- more and more frequent. And it's going to res- it's going to lead to uh, incidents like this and what we saw in Formula One last week. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, it got it got it got touchy. Um, both guys afterwards in their press conferences essentially blamed the other, <laughs> which I thought was again funny. Both guys claimed that they didn't know their laps had been cancelled, which, um, as a functioning bike fan with a brain
3: total bullshit um (laughs) congratulations ray you've gained the power of two human eyes sweet just what i wanted for christmas um
0: (laughs) no and like anyone with half a brain cell could see that they both had their laps cancelled and i don't care what you say they are some of the finest athletes in the world of sports they know where their front tire is they know whether they've gone over the curb or not. We're not stupid, okay? Like, we were not born yesterday, fellas. Like, we, we know how this goes, which is a shame because, like, it's... It, it, the whole thing was a great big pile of handbags. As I like to say, handbags at 10 paces, handbags at dawn, whatever you want to call it. It was pedantic at best. These Like, both guys knew exactly what they were doing. Out there, they wanted to mess with each other's heads a little bit. I think more than anything else, um, you know. I again, as as Lewis is pointing out here, he's, he's giving us some great insight here. He follows riders that puts needs to put in a hot lap, and then you know they can't afford to sit up and let him through again because they they were both following each other. At, 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 with you know, there was no wiggle room. It was their final flying lap. So yeah, you know, Rossi only slowed up after, he, I think, he knew probably deep down his lap had already been cancelled, but of course he's never going to admit that to the media now, is he? <laughs> oh dear, it's all, it was all touchy. I mean, King, what did you make of this? I haven't seen it. Like, you t- uh,
1: like, I put it in that class of, like, being in that situation where there's so many bikes on track, you're trying to get position you're trying to get you know space to put down a good lap time but then you're also in that position where it's like where you where they ended up in that specific position where you're right alongside someone that is directly your rival Mm -hmm. of course you want to put down a fast lap time but you know deep down that you could probably stop them from putting in a good lap time if you just put your bike in the right place precisely.
0: And you know, it's it's it, a lot of it is just politics meeting ego meeting tactical tactical astuteness, shall we say, of the situation. And I've said it before, he's not and I said it earlier, he's not the only offender on this one Marquez. He's just better at it than everybody else. <laughs> and and I think this might have been the one time he's been caught out, like Marquez had to start in fifth as a result of it. Um, which obviously cleared the way for Maverick Vignadas on the front row, ahead of Paul Spagaro and Fabio Quazoraro. Fun times. So we all, like, and uh, yeah, amazingly both were called up to the steward's office. Much ado about nothing, no further action was imposed. You know, slap on the wrists. Naughty boys, don't do that again. You're very silly. Oof, you know, etc. Nothing burger, but of course BT Sport were all about trying to make that a big thing. That was like half of their pre-race <laughs> coverage was just talking about what happened on Saturday because they didn't have much else to go on, really, even if they... Yes,
3: I will have my nothing burger with cheddar cheese and Applewood smoked bacon. Sweet.
0: <laughs> of course, had to make more of it than, what it than what it actually was in the end. Again, I think it's the names involved. Like if it was if it was Andrea Iannone and, and, and johan Zarco doing this we are not talking about it whatsoever it's the fact that it's it's Marquez and Rossi and you know it, it adds fuel to already toxic fire between their two fan bases which didn't help by the time we got to the end of the race again more on that later but uh, get it into the race itself and uh early hole shot Fabio Quattararo Took the lead and uh, pretty much led lights to flag, uh, funnily enough. He, he took the lead early on, um, you know, pushed Maverick out of the way. The only guy that could keep up with him was Mark Marquez. Marquez bullied Maverick off the apex at turn at turn 10. Got a, a very, very nice pass, by the way, um, to take second place. And we had a game of cat and mouse for about 24 laps. <laughs> and... Uh, it was tense. It was tense. Um, it was. It, it was. Uh, it was certainly interesting. Um, like, like it's. I love that, like me and Ryan watch these races together, brother Ryan. As you know, you can follow him mm. on Twitter at the brother Ryan if you want some occasional insight into uh, all things bike racing, Manchester United, and Dragon Ball Z Doken Battle. If you're into that sort of thing, um, so follow him at the brother Ryan. Shameless plug because I'm nice like that. Um, <laughs> you'd kill me for plugging that, um, but. Uh, we 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 were just going back and forth, just talking about is Marquez playing possum again? Is Fabio got something left? You know they were they, they the lap times were back and forth, and you ha- you can't your mind can't help but wonder when you've got that sort of situation going down. I I don't know how so- how long some of you guys have been watching bike racing for, but if anyone remembers the older days of Valentino Rossi and Sete now probably was the most famous victim of all of this, where it's like. Rossi, you kind of knew Rossi was faster, and you were kind of wondering, well, when's he gonna pull the pin on this?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I was about to mention, because you made an interesting point, is that Marquez usually pulls the pin with about seven laps left, Mm -hmm. but he's just hung back there with seven laps to go, Mm -hmm. with six and five and four and three and two to go.
0: Yeah, like, I've been watching him for a long time now and that normally is around the sign where if Marquez has anything left in the tank he will pull the pin because he likes to try and break free from people. He, like, I, I, he'd like, he never admit it, I don't think he likes these last lap dogfights he keeps getting himself into and he has tried strategy wise to break the field. On numerous occasions, whether it be at the start of a race or at the end, again, with maybe a handful of laps left. Um, You know, he'll try and, you know, break away from the field. Didn't happen this time. Um, To be fair, he's mixed it up a bit more in recent years. I think he's probably a bit too uh, burned of Dovi beating him in head-to-head fights. (laughs) But uh, no, he stuck around all the way until the final lap. And uh, this was an intriguing situation. It's, it's, I like that even Colin Edwards pointed this out after the races of, In case you guys don't know, Colin Edwards is a full-time pundit for BT Sport now who does the UK coverage um, on onto TVs. Uh, he mentioned, was Marquez going at half throttle down the front straight the entire time? Because it just seemed out of nowhere he got an extra 5 kmh and then passed him into turn one. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> is, it, is this a repeat of two years ago in that wet race here when he beat Petrucci off the last off the last lap? That's what I was thinking personally. Until Fabio got him back at turn four, which people aren't talking about just how brave that was because h- nearly half a dozen guys binned in at turn four during this race. <laughs> like turn four was a problem area for a lot of people it's a trail breaking corner very easy to, to just tip the front and lose it shout out to Alex Rins on that one um, who did precisely that um, <laughs> earlier on in the race um, but Fabio got him back at turn four and I was like uh oh <laughs> um,
3: you just stood him up and made the move and I'm thinking wow that's it he's gone, gone. Quarter hour's got this. He's going to win his first race. And he's going to beat Marc Marquez to do it. Four corners
0: later. Um, oh, wait. There's Marquez Danny inside. And to be fair, even I'd noticed this. He was way faster in corners eight nine, 8, 9, and 10. Like, that's where Marquez was clearly stronger than Fabio. And, like, Fabio was taking a very wide line into turn 8. Like, he was using all of the outside kerb. To sweep in and try and keep that Yamaha, which we all know has a very high apex, very high corner in speed. So you want to take as smooth and as you know as wide a line as you can to maximise that 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 edge grip and that corner in speed and uh, Marquez just shun- just slammed it down the inside of him. <laughs> just I was like, yeah, I- I'm coming here now, and I'm going to get it parked right here, and there's nothing you can do about it. Marquez did actually get it stopped beautifully. He, he was way better on the brakes than Fabio, and uh, slammed it down the inside of Turn 8, held it through 9 and 10, but then we're going down the back straight in the triple right handers complex, where Fabio's a lot faster. Um, even though he was giving up, five six mile an hour down the back straight which is amazing given how short <laughs> that back straight is they're still getting close to 185 miles an hour um jesus yeah jesus yeah 190 going into that first right hand i think was i think ducati or uh, the fastest through the speed traps at uh 296 kmh which i think is just under 185 um but uh yeah this is where Fabio's wider lines and sweeping lines were coming into play, he was able to get right up to the back of Marquez's rear wheel, no surprise, he has to go for the turn 14 dive bomb, it's the only way he's going to win, Marquez takes the narrower line, basically blocks it on the apex, um, you could even argue, like, I mean, Shaky Byrne pointed this out, like he parked it and stopped him from using the toilet. Like Why? Marquez just hit the brakes. <laughs> he, was, he was like, <laughs> I'm parking the bike right here. There is no way you can make it, There's no way you can make it round me. And he just basically just boop, stopped it right there and then you know, went really slow on the apex of the corner. Fabio had to sit up to avoid going into the rear end of Marquez's bike. And that was that.
3: That was the end of that one.
0: Yep. Marquez goes on to around the last two corners and wins his seventh race of the season. An historic moment as well. It's his 77th career victory um, in all classes, which now takes him past Mike Halewood and into fourth on the all-time wins list. Very, very special company in front of him now. Only Giacomo Agostini, Valentino Rossi, and Angel Nieto are the only... F- and
3: Agostini was there. Agostini was there watching this all play out.
0: Yeah, in the Yamaha camp. Um, He was in the Yamaha camp watching along. He was there in person, so... Uh... One and two on the wins list were right there in attendance in uh, varied capacity. Um, we miss you, Angle. Um, but yes, um, they were both there seeing it. Like I said, win number seven of the year for Marquez, career win at number 77, outright fourth on the wins list. May I remind everybody here, he is still 26. May the good Lord help us all. <laughs> but... Uh, I, 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 you know what's funny about that as well Like, not even the fact that he that he won, like that that isn't really all that surprising I don't know how many people saw this but did you see how pumped up Marquez was in Park Fermi after winning that race like he took the helmet off and it was like a primal roar that came out for, I have been watching this dude for a decade I have never seen him that pumped up after winning a race This one meant something. This one, I don't know what it was, per se. I mean, I have a good idea what I think it might be. But um, after losing his last two races by a combined total of something like two tenths of a second, both losing out on last corner dogfights to uh, Davizioso and Rins, respectively... This one meant something. I don't think Marquez And then you gotta add in the events of qualifying yesterday
1: mm-hmm. and just the general course of how this place race played out where he didn't have the
0: lead until the very end. <laughs> Indeed. And uh yeah, there is no that- I mean Marquez admitted it as such after the race that the booze he was getting on the podium after winning the after collecting the trophy, which to be fair, were not as big as they've been in, in previous years. I think there is a level of dissipation when it comes to that. I'll talk about that in a minute. But he openly admitted the booze motivated him. He wanted to stick it to the Rossi fan base or the Rossi support on home turf, and that's exactly what he did. It was a it was another genius ride from Marquez. He, he, he played it absolutely to perfection. Um, it was good. It, it was very good. It it's 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 amazing, because like, I had a couple of people I know on Twitter, like Kevin, and if you don't follow Kevin Walsh, please do. He's a great guy. Incredibly knowledgeable on bikes um, and whatnot. And Alex as well. Um, Alex Felipe on, on on Twitter as well, saying, yeah, that was actually kind of underwhelming. Not because it was a bad race, but because GP standard is so goddamn high that, like, yeah. an 8 out of 10 races considered dull. <laughs> like, that, like, 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 that's... That's the craziest part of it, and... Yeah, as Lewis points out in the Discord, make no mistake. As much as he hates about talks, he talks about the points being good for the championship. He hated losing at the last corner. Yeah, I completely agree.
3: I would be too. Yeah, I would be too.
0: Like again, Silverstone. We mentioned it two weeks ago. I've never seen Marquez that angry at not winning a race. Like normally, he could swallow his pride if he doesn't win a race off the last corner. He had no interest in talking to Alex Rins after that race was over. Rins wanted to have a chat with him about the tyres and whatnot. Mark was having none of it. He was visibly angry at having lost that race by effectively two inches going over the line. Um, And him just having no rear rear tyre grip left by that point. He was pissed. So to win this one, clearly... There was some extra mustard on this one for Marquez. Um, Yeah, as again, Lewis points out again, especially because when Mark wins, it's usually by a mile and quite dull. When he loses, it's often by a whisker in a last lap dogfight. And that's just it. You've got to be spectacular to beat this man now, one-on-one. And it's really, besides maybe Maverick at Assen, it's only been spectacular performances that have beaten this man over the course of this season. Rins at Silverstone, Petrucci at Magello, you know, obviously Rins at Silverstone, Dovi in Austria. Again, a, a genius last lap, last corner pass there, even if it was a bit
3: naughty. Um, it goes on. You either have to edge this dude at the line or he has to fall off of his bike because something doesn't go right with the bike. and that That's the only way you're beating him in 2019. And
0: that's just it. He hasn't crashed in a race off his own volition this season. Kota was partly mechanical. The front didn't respond how, he, how it normally does. Every other race this season, first or second.
3: So does he win the title by Ram? We could be talking that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He threw away Kota. I believe the winning. Like if you take Assen out of the equation, which Maverick you know, dominated in the second half of that race, and I, I don't think Mark was going 100% to chase him. I think he wanted just to take the 20 points and get out of there. I believe the losing margin for Marquez all season long had been 0.3 of a second. Combined. God damn! <laughs> Combined. <laughs> uh-huh. A third of a second either way, Marquez runs the table, bar Kota and Asin. And as Lewis points out mathematically, RJ is spot on. If Marquez wins in Aragon and wins in Thailand, he is champion with four races to spare. <laughs> like, he would have a minimum lead of 103 points with only 100 on the table. And that would be if Dovi followed him home second both times. And, uh, and he's
3: probably winning in Aragon this coming weekend. Yeah,
0: Aragon is home turf for Marquez. It's one of his favorite tracks. It's anti-clockwise. Marquez loves anti-clockwise circuits. Um, Ducati is not what they were last year. It's becoming more and more evident that they... That, 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 that since probably, you know... Since probably Assen, I'd argue, that Ducati is not what it was um, last year. And... Uh, yeah. 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 There's there's a case you can even make. This makes, makes a case. Yamaha and Suzuki might be ahead of them right now. And Yamaha were very good this weekend. This was the best Yamaha has looked in quite some time. And Yamaha should have won this race.
3: They had two, three, four, and 5 on the overall classification.
0: But not the win. Because Marquez mm. is so good, he can drag that Honda into places it shouldn't be. Again. Stop me if you've heard that one before because due to Crutchlow being in it and Nakagami also been in it as well, the next nearest Honda was Jorge Lorenzo
3: in 14th 47 place. seconds off the win. That's your baseline for what a Honda is capable of in the hands of a replacement level rider. When you have Mark Marquez, it wins by nearly a second.
0: Yeah, I know we I, I'm tr- I tr- we try not to wax him lyrical over Marquez too much, but when he's doing shit like this, it's hard to avoid. <laughs> like it just is. I want to talk about Fabio for a minute. That was comfortably his greatest performance by a, by a comfortable margin. That was that was like Fabio's coming to America moment right there. Where it, that was. That was. He, he really did not put a foot wrong that entire race. He he rode it as well as he realistically, realistically could have had. I think the bike had limitations which opened the door for Marquez to take advantage of. And again, Marquez probably a bit more ruthless when it mattered most. And I think that's what it may take to beat Marquez in future. And hey, you know what? Fabio's only had... 13 top flight races. He still only has one Grand Prix win to his name in all classes. Let's not forget.
3: He won one Grand yeah. Prix
0: last year. And yeah, you
3: look at his CV in Moto3 and Moto2, you think this guy's not that spectacular, but if you kick in a contest, what he's doing in 2019, this is really really special. Again, he's only 20 years old.
0: He's like he, In he, in biking terms, his nuts haven't even dropped yet. Like, <laughs> Seriously. This kid is only going to get better and better. And if he stays at Yamaha for the foreseeable future, which I really hope he does, and I think he will, in all fairness, I think Yamaha is due for a blow-up. I think it will happen soon. Um, you know, it's... It's one of those things where we may have gotten the first chapter of maybe the next decade of rivalry in this sport. I... I... I Kevin, like again, Kevin on, on Twitter had a great discussion with me about this earlier the, earlier in the weekend where he just said it's kind of weird how this season's playing out where there's been no clear number two guy in GP this year. Like, Dovi, like, it, it kind of feels like the ship has sailed for Dovi at this point. He's yeah. been the perennial number two guy. He's still the number two guy in the championship right now, quite comfortably, mm. by thirty-one points as a matter of fact. But it just doesn't it, it just it's never felt like Dovi's year.
3: And Yeah, he, he
1: just hasn't been, you know, a week in, week out threat
3: no. to even podium. Neither has Danilo Petrucci ever since he won a Magello. Neither has Alex Rins, and we'll talk about it a bit. He had a shocker of a way to follow up that Silverstone
0: win. Indeed, yeah, Rins has been too inconsistent. Maverick Vinales, okay, the talent is there, but the bike clearly is not. And even then, there's probably too much internal grief between him and his teammate, who are both taking points off each other. Only five between them still after all this time. And Fabio Quattararo, who again. It's too early to put him in that title contender bracket for now. Maybe next year. But uh, even then, he's had some bad luck and he's made some rookie mistakes. Silverstone, let's not forget, he tucked the front on the very first corner. And, you know, like Patronus believed in this man last year. They gave him a chance after... A disappointing time in Moto 3. He didn't he was too big for those bikes at that at that point in time against the field he was competing against. Mm-hmm. Patronus believed in him, they backed him from his Moto 2 days, and look at the talent that, that's flourished as a result. Yeah,
3: yeah, you know. Yeah, he's doing something in six months, and I credit Lewis our, uh, who was feeding us notes like Vince McMahon screaming into our headsets it's just beautiful. Uh, <laughs> on commentary for Monday Night Raw. Uh, no, he makes a good point. Fabio has done something in six months that no other rider has done for a decade, and that's convinced Yamaha that there is life after 46.
0: Very true. That's a beautiful quote. It really is. Um, And there couldn't be more on the money uh, as far as I'm concerned. Like, this kid is the future. He has got talent and speed in spades, which is amazing given that, again, both Patronus guys were mixing it up with with the big boys. You know, Frankie Morbidetti lost to Valentino Rossi by three bike lengths, and they were pretty much side-by-side side the entire race. You know, that's, you know, literally the the Academy's all-time best graduate to date and the most important rider in the history of the class. You know, it's it's... It's... It's almost changing of the guard stuff here. It's it's wild. And that's certainly gonna be one to keep an eye on. And 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 speaking of Valentino, I mean this popularity situation is getting very, very interesting. Like, is is it getting to a point, fellas, where Marquez is now becoming a bit too dominant for his own good?
2: Hmm.
0: From a from a popularity standpoint here, because I want to get you guys perspective on this. Because this is interesting, because the people have brought it to my attention as well oh too good we're getting into that
3: (laughs) i felt i felt like for some people we were getting into that in 2014 because Mm. it's like oh hey mark has a rookie champion in 2013 now he's beating breaks off everybody and as a person who doesn't like dominance until i read about in the history books i don't like this
0: and i didn't really get that feeling in 2014 even i think people were so stunned that in a field that had just you know, been waxing lyrical about how steep the top end was with Lorenzo, Pedrosa, and Rossi. All of a sudden, Marquez had come along and then opened up the year by winning the first ten races. Like, that. Yeah, that's someone that could be that good out of the box.
3: And he's never and he's never had the best bike all the time. You think back to 2016, mm. uh, Yamaha should have easily ran the table, and Marquez should have been nowhere in a Honda that was so temperamental uh, from some perspectives. And, oh, Yamaha ended up nowhere, and Marquez won the title with rounds in hand.
0: Yeah. And, of course, we'd be remiss not to mention SEPANG 2015, and, of course the incident that probably changed everything regarding their mm. two perspective audiences and whatever role you think Ivor Ryder played in that I'll leave to you. But it certainly changed the perspective because I, I still look back and I remember those two had tremendous respect for each other. Like Marquez made it no secret. He was, Valentino was his idol growing up as a, as a bike fan. And Rossi immediately kicked all that shit to the curb when Sapang happened. He thought that Marquez had somewhat betrayed him by whatever measure that was or going against some sort of sacred code where you can't block past anybody till the last lap. Uh whatever you want, whatever perspective you have on that incident, it certainly turned a good chunk of the Rossi fan base toxic, you know.
3: And for the record, I I love me some Mark Marquez. Oh, yeah. I really do. Me too. He is as entertaining as a top guy as you could hope for.
0: Yeah. And that's the feeling I get. Like, I, I, p- People were starting to call him bo- I remember doing this in the early days of Lewis, and Bike and Lewis will agree with me and doing, during the early stages of our time at Bike Live, because Bike Life started out on downforce in the middle of that 2014 season, just before Marquez made it 10 in a row, um, before he got a bit more touchy in the second half of the season. People were starting to come up with polls asking whether he was boring or not. And I'm like, he's the most electric talent motorsport has probably seen in the last 20 years. Like, he, and I don't exaggerate when I say this, he's redefining what people can do on a motorcycle. Like, he's directly influenced Rossi changing his riding style, he's directly influenced Riders trying to save losing the front, which we fought until four years ago, was a near-impossible feat. <laughs> you know? He now does it as part of his riding style. He's j- I
3: vividly remember showing pictures of Mark Marquez leaning down all the way to his damn elbows to people who don't even follow motorcycles, and then people just going like, Holy shit, this is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bike racing hasn't seen that sort of transcendent talent ever. Valentino Rossi was was brilliant for different reasons. Like, don't get me wrong, obviously a genius, obviously an incredible rider. He was more of a showman than what Marquez is, but Marquez in just sheer attainment and ability on a motorcycle is a different level of ridiculous. And I've I and, and you know what it is? I I am starting to get a little bit scared that we've gotten a bit too used to that now. And I think people are now just dying for him not to win because we get, because you know what, as as Vic points out in the Discord, he's gotten smoother. He's not been in it half the time either anymore. He's he's ironed out that weakness in his game, you know. Um, which is again even more terrifying about a guy that had more raw talent out of the box than anything we've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, um, Lewis points out and again and says. Agree 100%. That's where I think this year is a little different. He started gapping the field from the get-go, as he did in Thailand, the Heref and Lamon. Sensational talent, but not great for the show, hence the backlash. Not Mark's But it's fault. not his fault. Yeah, that... It's
3: not his fault. It's the fault of everybody else who can't keep up.
0: Indeed. And is it just me, or, or do we just look at motorsport a bit differently in general compared to 10, 15 years ago? I think we were largely a lot more okay with, for example, Michael Schumacher's dominance compared to Lewis Hamilton's.
1: Yeah. I I think the, the standard for what we consider entertaining is a lot higher now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were mad cynical about that 15 years ago. We're still mad cynical, but in a different way because the goalposts have changed.
0: Yeah. Back then we didn't really have social media. So there was less of an outlet to gauge fan reaction. I think that's We had message
3: boards. We had we had message like,
0: boards and obscure forums and dial up. <laughs> I th- I
1: think it's down to the like racing in general is just way better now. It's a mm. lot closer than it used to be. So when we get a situation where someone could be that good again, it's in term in relative terms, it looks way worse.
3: It does. Yeah, you only have to look at the World Rallycross Championship before and after Johan Christofferson said Nah, I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it. Like, like the only person that was really worried about the state of the sport when Schumacher was dominant was Bernie Eccleston. And then Bernie went and changed the damn rules, you know? And compare that to now, where Hamilton has had one threat for a championship throughout the entire season, it was his own teammate, and which doesn't help it, it's in the same car. So we know that Merckx still has largely been unopposed as a team for six years now, you know? And combine that with the nature of social media where our voices as fans is a lot more public. It's a lot louder than it was 10, 15 years ago. And this is what we get to now. I don't think Valentino was looked at in the same way. I think we were too busy enjoying the show with Valentino in the mid-2000s that uh, I think we largely look at it differently now. And again, as you said, and as as Lewis said, it's not Mark's fault. He's just doing his job. He's been brilliant. And as mentioned earlier, there's no obvious number two right now. Again, Ducati's struggling. Alex Rins is not consistent enough yet. Fabio's not the finished article yet. Yamaha, forget that, Um, you know. At, at, at this point like Marquez nearly outpoints maverick two to one in fact he does outpoint maverick two to one in this championship so far this season and that's just terrifying to say the least you know it's we look at it differently now than I think we did 10 15 years ago and you know for better or worse it it, it, it works both ways and it's not easy to get a gauge on that but it certainly makes it more interesting but also not interesting at the same time. Yeah, and as and as Lewis says, it's problem. That's the problem. Of the six races not won by Mark this year, four different winners. Everybody's beating each other up. That's just how it is. Speaking of which, here's the th- rest of the results from that MotoGP race at Masano. Uh, we, we got into it a bit there, and hey, that was actually really fun. Um yes. Ma- yeah. Marquez winning by 0.9 of a second over Fabio Quartararo, his best ever finish in a GP race in second. The, trust me, the first win is coming. It absolutely is coming. Maverick Vinales in third again. Maverick did his same old trick. He did actually get a good start this time, but he did... Dropped um, to third, you know, lost a couple of seconds, found his bearings, was faster than the leading two at the end of the race, but again, didn't take enough time out of the front two to really play a factor. Then it's a long way back, 12 seconds to Valentino Rossi in fourth, who narrowly beat his teammate, uh, his, well, his teammate, his compatriot from the academy, Frankie Morbidelli, over the line in fifth. Andrea Di just behind them in sixth. Paulo Spagaro, another phenomenal job from him on the uh, the steel KTM itself in seventh. Joanne Mir in eighth, good job for him on the on the lone yes. finishing Suzuki. Jack Miller in ninth for the Pramac boys. Then the Petrucci rounding off the top ten ahead of Johan Zarco. Good job from Johan Zarco, I have to say, in eleventh placement. Up fair bit better this weekend.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, relatively speaking. Alicia Spagaro in 12th for the Aprilia team. Tito Rabat in 13th for Avintia. Jorge Lorenzo, the second highest finish in Honda as mentioned earlier, 14th. And if he's siren, gets a point in 15th place. Miguel de Vera, 16th, he sadly had a crash in the early going, was able to continue. Um, Carol Abraham in 17th and Takanakagami who again had an early crash. Was able to continue, but finished a lap down. Four non-finishers, unfortunately. Cal Crutchlow crashed with five to go, as did Mikaeli Piro, the world's fastest policeman, on the uh, wild card Ducati ride. Very sad face. Alex Rins, who crashed at the very, very techy turn four I mentioned earlier. So, uh, quite, yeah. quite the come down after that Silverstone victory. Rins, yeah. you
3: mentioned he had quite an immature race.
0: Yeah, because he already you know, had to cut a corner, um, You know, had to get back on the track after outbreaking. It was a sloppy performance from Rins this time around. Then he goes and bins it um, halfway through, which just, uh, just not good from Rins at all. Uh, Peko Baniaya, uh, who had a crash early in the early going as well, not having a good time in his rookie season, Peko, after so much promise in preseason testing. And uh, in case you haven't mentioned his name already, Andre Iannone did not take part in the race itself after he had a crash in practice that caused a quite heavy amount of shoulder trauma. Hope he makes a speedy recovery. Um, On brand, looking at the championship real quick, Marquez now has a 93-point lead. Nice! Very on brand indeed. I, oh, by the way, very good chance he now takes the MotoGP points record as well. 383 by Jorge Lorenzo in 2010. He's only 109 away from beating that with 150 points still available. And if hey, if Marquez is on that pace, we could be seeing the first 400-point season. Uh, the way the way it's going, don't get me wrong. An extra round certainly helps, but. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. scary, scary stuff. Dovi still in second on 182. Uh, Dino Petrucci back up into third after Rins' fall on 151. Rins on 149. Maverick on 134. Ahead of his teammate, Valentino Rossi, in sixth on 129. Fabio Quattararo up into seventh now on 112. Miller on 101. Nice on brand number there in eighth. And Cal Crutchlow in ninth on 88 points. Um, and Frankie Morbidelli back into the top 10 on 80 over Polo Spagaro's 77.
3: The gap from first to second is almost as big as the gap from second to ninth.
0: Beat him down, ringing hard amongst us all, everybody. As mentioned, MotoGP back this weekend at Aragon as part of the triple header. Um, Expect 93 at the front. Again, most likely, um, he loves Aragon, so uh, keep keep half an eye on that one. Let's get into the minor classes, and normally I skim over these quite quickly, but this also had a very controversial ending, fellas. Have you Ooh. seen? Have you seen what happened in the end of this race? I heard about this. Yeah,
1: I heard about it too. I haven't seen it personally.
0: Okay, picture the scene. Um, it is the final lap of the race. Um, it is a two way dogfight for the win. Alex Marquez has taken a comfortable third here. It is a one on one dogfight for the win between Fabio DG Antonio and Augusto Fernandez for the win. Calex versus Speed Up on home turf um, here. And uh, they're going down turn 10, down the back straight. DG Antonio is in the lead um, as they go into the triple right hand, the complex. Now going through turn 12, Fernandez, who's running behind. Puts two wheels on the green and then sets up a move into turn 14. There is light <laughs> contact between the two, but Fernandez does come out in front. Fernandez goes on to win the race by just over a tenth of a second. You can actually see Faio shaking his head in disgust as he goes over the line. Um, Fernandez taking the win by just over a tenth of a second. Um... This was reviewed. It went to the Stewards panel. They were they had the beating during the MotoGP GP race itself. Fernandez and DJ Antonio it went to the Stewards. The result stood. Now, what's interesting about this is because they it, like they announced as soon as the race was over, the incident at turn 14 is under investigation. Mm-hmm. They didn't investigate the track limits breach going into that final race winning overtake. I believe that's why the move stood. Um, It's an interesting one, because as I mentioned earlier, they were clamping down hard on track limits. Also, for added context, DJ Antonio had already been given a warning from the stewards regarding track limits. So there is maybe a case you can make Fernandez might have been in front sooner if it wasn't for such limits being breached. Who knows? You could speculate about that one to a degree as well. I personally was in the camp of I was not keen on someone deliberately or accidentally knowing they could go over into the green part of the curb. to gain the advantage in something that would set up a race-winning overtake, that didn't sit right with me because um, I felt like that could be a loophole that could be exploited. Because Fernandez was not on a warning. Now, I could be cynical here. Feel free to blast me in the Discord if I'm wrong, fellas. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not cynical at all. Like,
1: mm. like relating to F1, you know, the most recent race at Monza. If you run wide at parabolic, parabolic and gain an advantage. In qualifying, they delete that time for that lap and the next lap because it sets you up for, you know, yeah, a better yeah. better next lap. But, like, setting yourself up f- for a better chance at an overtake, that is that is to some degree way more subjective than a faster lap time because mm. a faster lap
0: time, you could point at the time on a piece of paper. Yeah, you can't do that in a race environment. Um, it's not conclusive proof. Um I get it. If you're the stewards, do you really want to mess with a race win or a race result? We've been here before, folks, and as mentioned, like we saw the return of the black and white card um, in Formula 1 this past week with Charles Leclerc, and Charles Leclerc admitted on Monday he knew he could get away with what he did with Hamilton because he knew he'd probably get a warning for it. Again, probably because he had his fingers burned in Austria. I get it. I really do. But... I don't like that riders and, and drivers are going to have that fault in the back of their head hmm I've not been punished for a track limits warning I can use this part of the curb once and not get flagged up for it <laughs> let me do that and then he did it in yeah. a move that set up a move for the win it's a loophole that I think could be exploited that's my issue yeah, with it it's, it's-
1: like as as much as it does make sense to bring over you know the yellow red cl- card mentality from football into motorsport in football there's a level of you know physical connection that you could realize that uh, a yellow card offense might be a red card uh, based on s- intent, that they knew that it would
0: be yellow and they did it anyway. Yeah, there's mitigating factors, in other words, that could determine whether it could be a red. Was it stud shoved? Yeah. Was it deliberate? Was it in the penalty area? Did he stop a clear goal-scoring opportunity? Etc. And you can't do that in the moment in motorsport. No.
3: Does Does he have full control of the ball with both hands before he hits the ground? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and as Lewis points out in the notes, they they kind of set a precedent in the earlier Moto E race too. Garzo took second on the last lap, even though he went on the green after passing Casadei, the stewards let it stand. So yeah, the stewards let this one go, and Fernandez got to keep his victory. To be fair, Fabio took it with it with. Impeccable good grace. He's a better man than me because he was desperate for his first victory in the class, and he got, especially after coming second in Brno earlier this season, he was desperate for his first win. He, and again, he's an incredibly nice guy as well, Fabio. I'm really gutted for him, um, and you could see he was gutted. But again, he immediately shook Fernandez's hand over the flag. There was hugs all round in the paddock uh, when it was all said and done. Um, Fabio is a very classy guy. He took it with Full good grace. Um, there was no push from him to go to the stewards. It was investigated themselves. There was no cynicism on his part. He just left it all on the track and Fernandez came out on top. And it was a fantastic fight between those two. It really was. Well worth the price of admission. Um, a great fight. Fernandez narrowly coming out on top by just under two tenths of a second in the end. As mentioned, Alex Marquez playing for the title took a safe and comfortable third. Thomas Lutie, 4th. Sam Lowe's 5th, who's now been confirmed, is going to the Mark VDS team for next season. Also, shout out to Sam for uh, taking a swipe at his former employers during the uh, checkered flag set, which I thought was quite funny. Um, he, meant, he mentioned that uh, you know he was booted out of the Aprilia camp, and uh, he said that has uh, gotten to do great things since then. Says the 29-year-old going into Moto2 again next year. Uh, <laughs> He who lives in glass houses say no more. Lord Binder in 6th of the Red Bull KTM team, good job from him. Jorge Navarro in 7th, Ovie 8th, Nae Bastini in ninth. Lorenzo Baldazzari, what's happened to his early season form, in 10th, Luca Marini. 11th, Jorge Martín 12th, Andre Locatelli 13th, Somkiat Chantra in 14th, and Stefano Manzi rounding off the points in 15th place. 5 DNFs in the end, all crashes, Noradin, Marco Bezzecki, Nicolo Bouliger, um, Remy Gardner, who was, I think, running fourth when he hit the deck another disappointing day for gardner and it was uh both sag bikes hitting the deck as well it's both stop and go bikes going down as a uh, tetsuya nagashima also crashed with 12 to go sad face i want to see i want to see nagashima do well um hmm. championship standings in moto two again six rounds to go alex marquez um has his lead reduced ever so slightly to 26 points um, Fernandez now second overall over Tom, uh, 171. Thomas Lutie third on 159. Jorge Navarro on 155. Brad Binder on 135. Baldassare on 130. Marcel Schrotter, who didn't take part in the race unfortunately due to a shoulder contusion, get well soon. Um, he was in seventh on 116. Marino on 113. DJ Antonio now ninth on 89 points after his second place. And then in the top 10 on 81 points. Um, in 10th, Moto3. Now, <sighs> you'd have to have a heart of stone not to be delighted to see this outcome. Satsuki Suzuki gets his first ever Moto3 victory, and it's a wonderful win for the SIC 58 team on home turf, on the circuit named after... Uh, fallen son Marco Simoncelli, and uh, if you ever want to see a more beautiful, poignant moment, I, I refer to a tweet from October twenty third, twenty seventeen, from the man himself. "Quote, dear Mr. Marco Simoncelli, one day I will be going up to the podium with your father, so please watch us from the sky." You did it, Tatsuki! Congratulations, man! <laughs> and it's that was beautiful. Awesome. It was awesome and beautiful as well that both uh, Scudgera Corso riders have a win to their name this season because we forget Niccolò Antonelli also won earlier this season in Jaref. Um, so uh, no no biases here. Both their riders have a victory um, for the season, which is just fantastic. And he rode very, very well indeed. He was clearly the best of the field. In you know, It was a very classic Moto3 pack race only the pack completely disintegrated because they'll think there was something like 13 DNFs in this race Jesus, yes That's just the
3: guys who got to start the race
0: Only 16 men saw the flag in a Moto3 race field of nearly 30 I think it is
3: Four uh, of them didn't even
0: finish the first lap Yeah which, yeah, perspective, everybody. It was carnage. Um, but it was Suzuki that led from the front, you know, occasionally had guys get in front of him, but he he was always able to find a way back to the front and, you know, pulled off a beautiful block into that Turn 14 hairpin to stop John McPhee and Tony Arbolino from trying to take the victory at the death. Um, brilliant, brilliant race. Uh, a classic Moto3, Uh, ...drama and flair in fun style, and as Lewis points out, the 10th different winner in 13 Moto3 races this year. Bonkers stuff. 13 races, 10 different winners in Moto3 this year. No one has been a dominant force in the pack this year. It's been a matter of consistency all the way through. And uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff indeed from Suzuki. He won from John McPhee in second. And to be fair to John, we're cynical about him because of how much BT Sport uh, cleans his jock. But uh, to go from row five to second place is impressive indeed. Well done, John, in second. Tony Arbellino really sticking his nose um, in the title fight now. In third, Jamassia Jam- Jam- in fourth. Dennis Forgi at fifth. Gabby Rodrigo in sixth. Marcos Ramirez seventh. Lorenzo Dalla Porta was in eighth. He would have finished in fourth, but he had a three second time penalty added for multiple breaches of track limits. And because of the last penalty for it was too late in the race for him to take a long lap penalty, it was converted into a three second time penalty instead. As I mentioned, it would have been 5th, it dropped him to 8th um, as a result of that. Um, Filippo in ninth. Raul Fernandez 10th, Stefano Nepa in 11th, Jumpman Cornfile in 12th, Andrea Aminio in 13th, Ricardo Rossi 14th, Elio Bartolini in 15th gets the last of the points, and Dennis Onchu, the last of the guys who saw the checkers, was in 16th place. Take a deep breath, Dre. Here are all the DNFs from that race. Ayagura, who was taken out on the final lap, poor fella. Um, due to contact at turn eight. Somebody had to be the victim. Somehow McPhee survived. Ayagura did not on that one. Kazuki Masaki didn't finish, as in Mike on Kawakami, Darren Binder, Aaron Canett, whose bike had a technical problem. He um looks like the fuel pump wasn't working properly. Tried to get it back to the pits. Tried to continue in the case of any further dropouts. Tried a couple of times over. Couldn't get it going. Can it DNFs? And that was significant for the title race where that's concerned. Yeah. Um, Alberto Arenas, Niccolò Antonelli, who had a nasty one there um, at turn five. Uh, he Antonelli and Vietti got tangled up. I think Antonelli's actually done his shoulder and was declared unfit after that race. So he might actually miss Aragon this weekend. Oof. Um Tom Booth Amos who broke his ankle in a nasty turn ten incident as well. I think he I think he fell trying to get out of the way of a Canett's slow-moving bike. Um, and he broke his ankle um, upon impact, poor fella. Um, nasty one there. Alonso Lopez did not finish. And again, as, as RJ alluded to, four guys didn't even make the first lap. Ayumi Sasaki, Kaito Toba, Sergio Garcia, and Makayachenko all didn't make it past the first lap. Championship standings as well. Um, La porter extends his lead to 22 points over Aaron Cannett. It could have been so much more though if it wasn't for that track limits penalty. Yikes. Um, can it in second on 157, but only eight points now in front of Tony Arbellino on 149. He's only 30 off the top himself. It's looking like we could be back to a three-way title race. He's in very good form, um, Arbellino. Um, besides the 15th place finish at the Saxon Ring, surrounding it, a win in Assen, third in, in Bruneau, second in Austria and Silverstone, and now third again in San Marino. Consistency, folks. It helps. Mm-hmm. Marcos Ramirez fourth on 123 points. Nicola Antonelli on 118. John McPhee on 113 in sixth. Jarmusia on 96 points in seventh. Celestino Vietti in eighth and 88 points. Suzuki Suzuki um, with his win goes up to ninth overall with 75 points. And Jumpman Cornfar rounds off the top ten um, with 71 points. He's ahead of Romano Fanati, who again did not take part in this race again injury. Also, fun fact, his new manager is Andrea Rianoni. Nothing Who can also poss- did not start the race. Nothing can <laughs> go wrong here, folks. There is absolutely no way that this could be a potential disaster.
3: None <laughs> The partnership's whatsoever. already gone off to a good start. Yeah. Hope that them couldn't start their races with bad shoulders. Yeah. Gosh. As, Lewis,
0: as Lewis points out, Masano and Fanati don't get along. Need I say more?
3: Um. <laughs> oh, that
0: happened. <clears throat> <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Uh. Perspective, kids. Um. Yeah. The, the two Moto E races getting them out it was a double header at San Marino this weekend to make up for the lost ground earlier on in the championship. But uh, we have we have a, a hometown hero, Matteo Ferrari, winning both races in Moto E oh, this hey, time around. Three wins
3: in a row at Italy for Ferrari.
0: Hey! See what you did there. Very clever. Let's uh, say Ferrari win in both races. He beat Hector Garzo and Xavier Simeon in race one. Uh, with also him beating Hector Garzo again and Nakasaidi as well in third in r- race two. Bit more convincing than Ferrari in race two one by a couple of seconds instead. Poor old Alex De um, <laughs> uh, as well. Uh, who sadly, hometown hero, literally lives just down the road. Crashed in both races. Oh. oh, De Angelis. Oh. Um, shout out to Matt Dunn on commentary as all from Lewis. Victory for an electric-powered Ferrari.
2: <laughs>
0: very good. Very, very good. Well played. And
3: Ferrari now has a 19-point lead in the Moto E Championship with only the Valencia doubleheader left to run.
0: Indeed, Hector Garza in second on 53 points and Bradley Smith on 48, Mike DeMeglio 47, and Xavier Simeon 45. Very close in the fight for second as well. Very interesting stuff indeed. Whew, let me take a breath here and just say one more time: MotoGP back at Aragon this weekend. It is a back-to-back, the last round before technically the flyaways, given it's Thailand first, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we would have called it that. But yeah, Aragon, this weekend, we'll be back to talk about that as part of the uh, newly crowned triple crown of ridiculous motorsport stuff Uh, this weekend, this weekend with all three of our major series taking part and being covered, so that should be fun indeed. After this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about the news and we'll bring back our old friend... (laughs) Time for the news everybody And uh, first up some positive Formula 1 news Just kidding it's bad Because it's it's Formula 1 What did you expect really Um, Turns out King we got some fires in Singapore Well not in Singapore Uh,
1: Across Well across the water On the island of Borneo uh, The jungle's been on fire And the fire's been Real big and The wind blows towards Singapore Oh Oh,
0: boy so that's a lot of wildfire and, like, burnt smoke and all that, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, God.
3: I can Dang. remember this is how the 2003 CART World Series ended prematurely because California wildfires rolled in over Fontana Speedway uh, and canceled out what would have been the last race of the season and also the last time they would ever visit California Speedway. Now, Auto Club Speedway.
1: Yes, the government of Singapore has reassured that there is no threat to the Grand Prix, and will notify the public if there are any changes.
0: Everybody
3: will oh, be good. okay.
0: Everybody will be okay. There'll just be a bit of coughing.
3: Yeah, would you like? Would you like a bit of uh, of poor air quality to go with your sweltering heat and humidity?
0: No, <laughs> fuck no. <laughs>
1: I'll take seconds. And yes, there'll be additional there'll be additional first aid stations at the track in case anything changes. Good to oh, see them being prepared.
0: That's useful. Good to see. Hopefully, everything runs without a hitch.
3: Dre, I would like to advise that you come get your scheduling planners.
0: Oh no! What's happened now?
3: Um, MotoGP wants to add more races. Twenty-two of them, in fact.
0: Yeah, I did hear about this. I think they're saying by 2023, they'll be t- the maximum will be 22. And look, we know what we know what direction GP is going, and they're gonna have 22 rounds by then. Like they wouldn't be looking for races in other places like like Finland and the Kymi Ring if they weren't planning to expand. Um, I think they've clearly seen F1's model, and it's like, hey, let's just run more rounds because you know why not and. Uh, yeah, which, um,
3: which, by the way, on a, on a related note, do you, do you know who was coming out in the press saying that Formula One has too many races and that they need to cap it at sixteen rounds? Bernie. Oh my lord! You could see that back pedal, You could, could see that backpedal coming from space.
0: Yeah, see, when it no longer affects his bank balance, he can come out with all the uh, contrarian shit. You know, it's like. Oh yeah, we know he he said and I quote, anything more than 16 races and you start to devalue the product. Now, didn't weren't we touching 20 by the time Bernie was no longer at the reins?
1: Yeah. Yes, we were we were on an average of 20 races a season. It was
0: 19 to 20, if I remember correctly. I think we had a 21 race season before going back to 20 for a bit, but uh as, yep. as a reminder for those that, haven't, that didn't listen to last week's show, we're up to 22 for next year in Formula 1. Um, and and just, that's
3: without Germany.
0: Yeah. And this is with Germany being cut. Um, so, yeah. You can kind of see where this is going. Um, you can see that GP is going down the same road. It's kind of a different ballgame in GP, though, because riders, compared to Formula 1 drivers, there, are, there is a much more susceptible risk of Shall we say minor injury? Because like, yeah. you get the niggles a lot more frequently in MotoGP compared to Formula One. The, uh, the the broken collarbone, you know, bruised tailbone, maybe a broken rib or an ankle here and there. It's a lot. More arm free- pump, arm pump. Oh yeah, arm pump. Um, uh, flashbacks of Chris Jericho there for a second, and his list of a thousand and one holds. Um,
3: arm Ooh, pump. But the bubbly. <laughs> Uh, no. By the way, we are not going to lose the Patreon money. Uh, the pig, the piggy bank full of Patreon money, in a Longhorn Steakhouse. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> it, it's it's in, it's in safe hands. The money's just resting in our accounts. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yes. Um, the the niggles in Moto GP are a lot more frequent compared to F1, and it's I I fear you'll burn out the riders if you keep that yeah. up. Like that we, we like. I'm there's I I personally again this is only subjective I've not done any official measurements into this it feels like guys are taking more rounds off due to injury Mm -hmm. and uh, I love the Lewis in the background says and the social media editors quite right absolutely you know like no one really wants back to back weekends if you're working behind the scenes. And you know it's a lot for the crews and a lot for the teams. And as I said, riders are going to be riding hurt a lot more frequently if they've got more of a workload yeah. to get through, more back-to-backs. You know, it's more...
3: association football's got the same problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's a workload problem, and you're putting more and more strain on riders. And I don't agree with them going to 22 rounds. Um, guys are going to get hurt much more frequently and, you know, we've already seen guys like Lorenzo who's had major injury problems the last two years and uh, it, it goes on and on and, you know, I, it, it doesn't sit right with me as a guy that's concerned about these dudes' health and whatnot, so, you know. Yeah, like, I,
1: I tried to find
0: a way to somehow
1: play devil's advocate for 22 rounds and there is some president... Where, like, I think up until the 70s, where a lot of the big-name riders still raced in multiple classes, they could race, you know, 26 Mm. races. Uh, But it was, like, over, like, a 12 or 13-round season. They would just do three races at one round. Right, yeah. And the reason they stopped doing it, because the bikes got so much faster. And having an
0: accident at, you know, higher speeds meant you were way more likely to get hurt. But that's the problem. If you have multiple races at the same venue, there's less potential money to be made by less having less events. Yeah, that's part of the problem.
1: Yeah, they want to have like like they want to have longer seasons. Like Mm. I'm I'm pretty sure the current MotoGP riders could do 20 rounds if it was over. I mean, 20 like 22 races if it was like 16 rounds. But like 22 races at 22 rounds. Oh God no <laughs>
0: yeah and if you had more double headers more promoters might not be so happy about that saying hey why does this why does this venue get two races and we can sell it as a double header and we don't there's put there's, there's politics at play when it comes to that and that, not to mention that's why Jonathan Ray really loves World Superbikes so much it's only uh, it's there's many many races free per weekend now. But there's only thirteen rounds as a championship. So he 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 spends, he gets to travel less and he gets to spend more time with his with his missus and young children, you know, so it's easier on him as a rider, the schedule's lighter, you get to be more of a family man, it's better for him from a from a you know, from a outside of a motorsport standpoint, which is great, you know, so it's tetchy. So uh, have fun with that MotoGP. Um, You know, twenty-two rounds, and you know you're gonna work my poor man Lewis's fingers to the bone. He's gonna come back with carpal tunnel by November. (gasps) (laughs) I can't have that, (laughs) King. Talk about your man's in Formula E. Ooh, Formula E. Well, uh,
1: Mercedes decided not to swerve us. Thank God. (laughs) Thank (laughs) the
0: Lord. We've like we've had uh we've had enough swerves in formularies off season for once, thank you very much. Uh so yes, Mercedes confirmed
1: all our suspicions that were uh, you know, completely just speculation without any sources at all, that the lineup next year is definitely Stoffel Van Dorn and Nick Devries.
3: Waffles and fries on the menu. <laughs> <Waffles>. <laughs>
0: I'm here for this This is a menu I can get behind
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully with full on Mercedes backing They'll take a step forward Obviously Van Dorn was very quick when the car was holding up And I gotta say Although I do feel kind of bad That Nick DeVries is not going to Formula 1 As a likely Formula 2 champion uh, This is a much more competitive opportunity For him than say Having to be saddled to try and pull Williams Out of 10th place Mm-hmm. I like it. I like
1: it, yeah, too. I like it. I think it's. I think it's a good move for the series because obviously they get a chance to make a star, not rely on someone coming in with star
0: power. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And Stoffel did have some good performances in 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 his time with uh in his time last season. So yeah, like I think Van Dorn, if he gets dialed in, can easily win races. I, I'd say so. He's got the speed for it. I'd say so. So a lot of potential, a lot of promise in that Merck sign up, and it's I think it's a great move to have Nick the Freeze in there coming off of Formula So it's it's the it's the Alex Albon move of last season only now. Isn't that kind of neat? Oh god uh, you may not want to oh, mention that yeah. to Mercedes considering how that ended up playing out
3: long term.
1: Yeah, because <clears throat> uh because you know, you know, Albon did have a Formula E contract, remember?
3: Uh, ah
2: mm.
0: Yeah. Should we move on? Uh, should we should move on. <laughs> uh, James, plug your ears in. This is your new favorite segment. We're talking some supercars for a bit here. and uh, Oh, Lord.
3: I uh, wish it was for good reasons. So so we'll start with the the good, or at least the historic, depending on which side your allegiances lie on. Scott McLaughlin went to the Auckland Super Sprint at Puick. Puka uh Park in New Zealand. That was their home race. That was the home race for all the New Zealanders, including his countryman, Sane Van Gisbergen, who won the other race. But Scott McLaughlin did indeed break Craig Lowndes' single season wins record with his 17th race victory of the season. Breaking a record that had stood for 23 years, and we're not even to the endurance rounds yet.
0: Jesus. It's... That's wild. We've been keeping tabs on Scotty all season. It's almost the equivalent of one Penske game's appearance. Um, But but, uh, congrats to Scott McLaughlin. That is an amazing achievement. Any man that eats nuggets out of a trophy uh, gets my vote, quite frankly. So uh, congratulations Scotty. That's a fantastic achievement. That's ridiculous. Dominance there from winning. Also, did anybody see like the wrecked car on the side of McLaughlin had in one of the races that had like a UCK? Uh, Yes,
3: (laughs) yeah, that Um, that was that was an (laughs) Auckland uh, tourism banner that had been torn up and stuck to the side of the Shell V Power car, so it looked like it read Shell (laughs) Vuck, which of course has already been photoshopped into other words that rhyme that uh, end in UCK.
0: What Speak, exactly?
3: Speaking of profanities, um, let's go to the bad. In that race that, Jay, that uh, Scott McLaughlin won, we had a safety car controversy where the safety car picked up the wrong guy. The wrong guy realized that he was the wrong guy, that was Jamie Wincup, passed the safety car to try and rectify the issue and was then given a drive-through penalty for trying to rectify the issue while three other guys who were also trapped under this chose to stay put in their position.
0: What in the actual fuck just happened?
3: (sighs) Like, I get when this was NASCAR in the early 90s before they vetted electronic scoring at a quarter-mile short track where they accidentally picked up the wrong leader, and that's how Brett Bodine got his only win in the Cup Series. Mm. But, mate, it's 2019, and you have electronic scoring, and you can at least glance at it. You nah, nah, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm the law.
1: You don't get this aside to follow the rules. Yeah, and-
3: Supercar said they, uh, <laughs> s- Supercar said as long as the orange lights are on, you stay behind the safety car, and they're planning on sanctioning Jamie Wincup for saying the brain, his brain's not in it. And reference <laughs> to, stay- to race control.
0: <laughs> I, I, I suddenly like Jamie Winkup all of a sudden. That's hilarious. Um, no, you, you like yeah, I get it. Rules are rules, but wink up at least had some common sense.
1: No, no, those weren't the rules.
0: <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> it's, it's worse than like, I thought. Like
1: they're they're on the basis of. You can't decide to follow the rules if we do
3: something wrong that's against the rules. They quote, You've got people making decisions that are just cruising back, just having a few glasses of red each night, and rocking up to the track, and the brain's not with it. (laughs) Oh, lord.
0: (laughs) He basically accused race control of being drunk on the job. I love it. That's, That's a hilarious level of sass.
3: Um, Johnson, plug your ears. I like Jamie Wincup a bit more. I'm not sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm not sorry either. It, it gets him out of having to explain that story of how he didn't win that bar first race for the 115th time. <laughs> he, he's never mentioned it. Uh, what Speaking a shaking Speaking of
3: Bathurst, I don't think we mentioned that um, we're getting a little bit more IndyCar in our Bathurst 1000, we which again is coming no. up the start. Yeah, so... Alexander Rossi, in collaboration with Walkinshaw and Reddy United Racing, um, is entering the Bathurst 1000 with James Hinchcliffe as his co-driver and Napa Auto Parts as his primary sponsor. So, oh, 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 oh. I
0: have to work Another with
1: the enemy. Another reason to
0: watch the great race. <laughs> I have to work with the enemy. I'm a Hinchcliffe fan. We can't be endorsing that ex-Rossi on our show. Oh, wait, it's <laughs> It's he's a on, on the podcast ad. together. Yeah, he, the podcasters get to go together. I, I, I guess I have to endorse this, haven't I? You never, you
3: never <laughs> thought you'd die fighting side by side with a Rossi fan. What about side by side with a friend?
0: <sighs> I guess
1: it's fun. Uh, oh God. Charlie, yeah. If, if any of them <laughs> wreck the car, be, if, if they end up off track, it'd be the most awkward oh. episode of Off Track. Boo.
0: Boo! Boo this man! <laughs> How dare he? Oh dear, oh dear. Look, wash your mouth out with soap, everybody, for fuck's sake. You <laughs> can't be having this. Mm.
3: <laughs> Okay. Right. Your express catch-up on everything else that happened. <gasps> DTM at the Nuremberg ring without the W Series. Rene Rass winning the title with a round in hand. The next round's the Hockenheim finale. <gasps> MSAT, Laguna Seca, Montoya, and Cameron win their third race of the season, and all they need to do is just finish in eighth or above at Petit Le Mans, which I'm going to to wrap up the title in the Premier Class. <sighs> Sebastian OJ wins Rally Turkey, and Tannock finishes 16th sixth- after an electrical failure, so that puts OJ 17 points away from Tannock in the championship lead with three rallies left to go. And Martin Truex Jr. won NASCAR in Las Vegas. Kings take on things. Rene Rass, still Rene fast. Uh, Juan hey. Montoya, not actually washed up. <laughs> Who said
0: he was washed up? A lot of people. That's a good point. <laughs> Lewis and Jack goes, I was hoping you'd go full ace Ventura and say it backwards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think King's that talented for that. Um no. <laughs> The week ahead, everybody, and it is a big triple header. Of uh, the main series we cover on the show, uh, it's the IndyCar season finale at Laguna Seca. Um, it's the big one. We've gone through the permutations. Go back to last week's show if you haven't heard it already. Um, it's looking like realistically three-way fight between uh, Alex Rossi, Joseph Newgarden, and Simon Pagenaud. Fellas, who brings it home? Who takes the Astor Cup?
3: Oh goodness! Oh god! <laughs>
0: Does anybody so, dare pick against Newgarden? Hmm. Who I think is, what, 40 points in front, I think, roughly?
3: Yeah. So these are. this is the simple version. Newgarden wins if he finishes fourth or better. For Rossi or Pagano to win the championship, if they win the race, Newgarden must finish sixth or worse. Ditson must win and have Newgarden finish 23rd or worse and have Rossi finish sixth or worse.
1: So, it, it, it will be possible to finish worse than 21st. There will be enough cars. Yeah, there
0: are a couple of wild but, cars taking part, like Connor Daly, for example, who's racing for Andretti. But, to finish that low, you're going to have
1: to be one of the first cars out of the race. Hey.
3: Something can happen at Laguna Seca, especially if they turn the Gran Turismo 2 physics on at the corkscrew. <laughs> It'll be spinning! Um, we also have an interesting Rook of the Year fight, as mentioned. Felix Rosenquist leads, but he's within 40 points of both Santucci Farino and Colton Herda. Ooh, spicy. Yes. And, and in Indy Lights, all Oliver Askew has to do is just start both races, and he is your champion over Redis VK. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood has come out of freaking nowhere and is on a fucking heater and mm. is basically odds-on to win the Indy Pro 2000 title. And uh, Hunter McElroy, the... I believe he is the Australian champion, residing in America, <laughs> leading USF2000.
0: That's a lot on there. Yeah,
3: so that is all the championship stuff to keep an eye upon.
0: Indeed, keep an eye on that. Formula One races in Singapore this weekend. And the question here is, how badly does Merckx beat us down?
3: Well... It's funny, because Ferrari doesn't have a car that suited this track at all this year, but no
0: no no we're not see this is what we're not about to do we're not falling for this trap like we did last year do you remember how last year went right last year we thought oh ferrari was great here in 2017 they were just robbed by that city that one incident look what happened lewis hamilton rested his nuts on the field's forehead and it was over I,
3: I i wasn't gonna talk up ferrari's chances i was gonna talk up red bull honda
0: no, we're not doing that either, because Verstappen was the only man in the same postco. that he's probably just going to dive-bomb somebody at turn one again. <laughs> you you didn't work. hear? You, 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 you didn't hear? Like Nico Rosberg said it himself. He's gone back to last year's Verstappen now. Narratives. I thought Ready you didn't through? even
3: subscribe to the man anymore. Like
0: I can't help it. His feed is everywhere. He, he, he's in the hive mind now. <laughs>
3: Help. So the now the question is, how much does Mark Marquez win the Aragon Grand Prix?
0: Eight seconds. Damn. Um I'm setting the that's to four
3: point nine. <laughs> and if I may make a personal appeal, even if you don't watch sports car racing, even if you don't bother to listen any of the times I talk about Japanese motorsport, I assure you, if you watch any one Super GT race, go watch Sportsland Sugo, because Wild shit happens at this track. We're talking the two closest finishes in series history, and that those may not be the most exciting moments in series history.
0: <laughs> Love that Tony in the chat just goes. So we consider Hulk for a podium? No, fuck no. <laughs> Stop that nonsense. Um, but also yes, go check Suga. So if, if it if it's anything like playing it on the uh, game of Ride by by uh, Milestone. That'll be certainly worth a watch. Um, fun times, indeed. So, yes. IndyCar season finale, Singapore Grand Prix, and Aragon, which, remember, has been yanked an hour forward to not clash with Singapore. Thanks, GP, Much appreciated. Um, so, yeah. We approve. Greatly. That'll be all for the week ahead. Moment you've all been waiting for, folks. For the first time in a while, we're cracking open the Motorsport 101 mailbag! Woo! Roll that beautiful B-roll footage. (laughs) Excellent.
3: We asked you to send in your uh, your questions using the hashtag BigDickSits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) was tempted to. Amazingly, we were inundated with literally some questions. Um... All right, shall we go from the top? We shall go from the top. Uh, Host Emeritus AJ, as uh, RJ writes here, says, two questions, because the man got greedy. I guess foremost, people just give you that, I suppose. How do you solve a problem like the new hypercar regulations? No, seriously, how would you move forward with top-level NMP1 given a blank slate? Question two. Actually, you know what? Answer question one first, I'll go for question two afterwards. So, yeah, how Um, do you deal with a problem like hypercars? Oh Lord.
3: That's an interesting question, because uh, I don't know if we know the problem is going to be the sustainability of the formula and bringing manufacturers mm-hmm. in relevant manufacturers who will contend for wins and keep the format going. Um, we don't know what the cars are going to race like. We don't, we don't really know what this platform is going to be like for at least three to four years into it. I know wow. there's a lot of pessimism about the platform going into this, but I at least want to see how this plays out first.
1: Yeah, I, I think like a lot of the, f- a, a lot of the apprehensions about the the hypercar regulations are mainly just the lack of confirmation that yes, x amount of manufacturers are going to be involved.
0: Yeah, that that's probably going to be the biggest problem going forward. But is there anything specific you guys would do regulation wise?
3: Oh gosh, I would. Yeah, I would have the cars be a little bit faster because I think the the lap times they want to set around Le Mans are very conservative, uh, and you know they've got to peg everything else back to make that work.
0: Yeah, and weren't they saying like three thirties was the target for Le Mans?
3: Yeah. For reference, the LMP ones now can get into the low high one high one ten three tens.
0: Yeah like 312s was the all-time record at Kobayashi set a couple of years ago yeah so uh, yeah, like like
1: gut feeling a part of the reasons why they're making the car slower they want to see more drivers make the transition from GT to hypercar and less you know single seater stars in in prototypes well hypercars which yeah, is get fine
3: and with Aston Martin entering four cars, may I just say, if you if you don't at least consider Jamie Chadwick for one of your drives if she's available, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> um, because a- Johnson is host to Emeritus and therefore gets uh, Wolfgang, I have two questions privileges. Uh, add a new Crown Jewel event to a series of your choice. What track would it be at and what format would the race take? Ooh, I've been thinking about this and mainly... Because he paired
1: up with the first question. I really think the World Endurance Championship needs another crown jewel event, mainly because the way, like, the endurance racing triple crown has fallen into place that, you know, two of the three rounds are part of IMSA, mm. where, you know, yeah, obviously, Le Mans 24 Hours, they have that, but uh, the Daytona 24 and the 12 Hours of Sea that's they're just going to be inferior races so they they need another crown jewel event more than any other series but
3: that's the thing they already started their own sebring round because they couldn't engineer a hostile takeover the sebring 12 hours so they just had to make their own sebring 12 hours knockoff i mean what are they going to make the 2000 miles of daytona on the same weekend as the rolex 24 <laughs> i'm
1: just saying if they were to do another crown jewel event it should be in europe they already. I, I, I would
3: argue they already have it in the six hours of Spa Frankreichershams. It's the most. It's the second most historic race on the calendar.
1: Yeah, it it is. But like they've made in terms in terms of a format, they've made the six hour, the new thousand kilometer, and they also just made it. Well, they're they're starting to move away from that. But for a long time, they've just made it the standard distance for all their
0: races. Indeed, me personally. Turn the British- well. I never said. I oh. never said what <laughs> what, my, what my ideal event would be. My apologies. My back going.
1: It's it's gonna come up later on in the mailbag. I. See. But I think I. I actually, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold it hold my cards close. You go on. I'll I'll say what when, when the appropriate question comes up in the mailbag.
0: Okay. Okay. I was gonna say because I love it too much. Have the British Grand Prix for MotoGP be double length. With a mandatory change of bikes. Now there's a. Now there's a fun idea for chaos! <laughs> Throw in some British weather and who knows what could happen! <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know about MotoGP having a race that's a different length than all the other races.
0: It's fun! <laughs> Um, th- this is Dre, Embracer of Chaos You know this It's one of my 15 uh, titles Like like Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones Arm pump central Says Lewis <laughs> 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 Very true Very true um, Okay, Patreon supporter Rezzy Hi Rezzy, thanks man this, this question is specifically for you, RJ. From 1 to 10, how do you rate Motorsport.tv's handling of their Super GT <laughs> TV rights for 2019? <laughs> that's not a good sign, is it?
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Um, I don't know if some of the people involved are listening to this, and I understand that's not a, this is not a commentary against you as professionals or as people, because I understand you have a job to do, He's the, to jo- get sued. the job is not the job is not being done well. Um,
1: it's just how, you know,
3: the situation played out. Yeah, right. Um. I-, I can say in all confidence that if if this multi year deal is not in place by 2020, I would not be shocked. This is just from things that I that I have heard that I would be surprised if this deal was carrying over because the reality of the situation is I get that I get that, you know, Let's Go Racing Grand Central Entertainment, the f- artist formerly known as Nismo TV. They had a very laid back approach and I understand that's not everybody's cup of tea. Motorsport.tv are trying to present this more as a straight-laced production, but at times it just gets derailed in needless, insecure comparisons to Formula One, which, you know, I don't think I'd do that. Um, the names are butchered. Some of the easy ones, as a matter of fact. And there's a lot of dead air and not a lot of substance to the broadcast. It's sure. it's not a good arrangement.
0: Yikes. So I'm
1: guessing and not good. <laughs> yeah, not good. And it doesn't help that people know what an alternative would look like.
3: <laughs> Yeah, they know what an alternative would look like. Yes, it's it's full of memes and derailed by chat monsters, but at least they'll engage with the fans. And I'll say this, nobody knows more about the technical ins and outs of the cars than Chancellor Sam, who I actually met in person, as a good a person as, uh, in real life as he is on camera.
0: Lovely. Um, also, because he also has two questions, he also asks, which Gran Turismo original tracks would be your dream F1 track and why? <laughs> uh, if anybody says complex string, I shoot them.
3: <sighs> ah <laughs> uh, um <laughs> Oh man. Does uh, if we're talking old generation tracks, I gotta say it's Grand Valley Speedway. If we're talking new, I gotta say antiari Hmm. I know I don't know Grand Valley is a safe pick, but it's Easily the most developed circuit. Now, if you want to go something a little bit outside the box, I would say any of the Japanese expressway tracks, like Special Stages Route Five and Eleven, or even Special Stage Route Ten. Oh lord, a virtu-
0: virtually an oval. <laughs> 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 oh dear, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the world is ready for that, RJ. <laughs> the actual <laughs>
3: Tokyo Expressway might be good in a pinch, as would Tokyo Route Two Forty Six god just that
1: question just made me realize like wait where is like grand valley speedway actually supposed to be located like what Mm. what is the political situation of where grand valley speedway located is transportation good can fans get there easily
3: they didn't actually start putting locales (laughs) to fictional tracks until gran turismo sport and that batch of circuits
0: yeah okay I say go for a really safe pick. Let's take him to Tokyo R two four six. I mean, was it called it Japanese Monaco?
3: <laughs> I don't know. It feels a lot wider than Monaco.
0: Well, in certain in certain places, in certain yeah. places it really isn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you want a bit more fun and some fifty five second laps and a better version of Austria, midfield raceway. Mm, that's
1: a that's a also, damn good shout. Ooh, yeah, that is good. <laughs> Oh, Dragon yeah.
0: Trail? Dragon Trail's a fantastic track on, 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 on GT Sport. I love going around that in
3: the NMP1s. It's scenic and there's a death chicane.
0: <laughs> shout out to Super GT. <sighs> the chicane of death. Eating people into the Shadow Realm. Big fan of his. And listens to us too, so shout out to you, Steve. Um good support of Glennon. Why do you think there was such a massive disparity between the first five races of the season where it was a Mercedes whitewash and the rest of the season thus far?
3: Uh, China underwhelmed, Baku went back to normal, Australia and Spain were as promised.
1: And then afterwards, there was a massive European heat wave that changed how the
0: cars (laughs) performed. Didn't affect
3: France, though. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, you know, I, I would say we're going to. We, we've had the the chunk of tracks where murks are, shall we say, not as dominant as they should be on paper. Also, <laughs> let's not forget Ferrari left multiple opportunities on the table to have a bigger influence earlier on.
3: Bahrain, like, Canada, Bahrain. sorry, yeah. Austria. Yeah.
0: Like, those were, like, again, the Austrian heatwave certainly crippled Mercs on a truck where they're normally very strong. That's um, nah, become a bit of an Achilles heel for them when it gets hot around there because their car can't handle the heat. Um, but, yeah, as, as Lewis said in the chat as well, Ferrari left a couple of clangers out there which made it look worse than it actually was. Um, and, yeah, even Baku. Like, Charles, I think, had a shot. Um, I would say challenging Mercs around them more frequently or at least sticking their nose in and maybe starting from a better position on the grid he had to start from row2 inst- to start from row5 instead because of these his crashy out in qualifying and that did him in he was always gonna finish the race fourth at best and uh, yeah that didn't exactly help um so yeah I was up I'd probably say that um, there's probably a big reason why is that it, it probably looks worse than it was. So, to be fair, places like Bahrain and Canada were genuinely good races in a vacuum. Um, We just don't talk about it compared to this great six-race run we've had at the moment, which for F1 is kind of terrifyingly good. Um, So, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, Henry asks, What's the first moment when watching motorsport where you thought that this is the most awesome thing?
3: That is, uh... mm, I... I want to say it was my earliest memory of really watching racing was um, early, mid to late 90s uh, carts, just being able to see drivers tackle so many different types of circuits and so many people competing. It's just like, yo, this is awesome. I didn't know all the politics of what was going on back on at the time. I just know that this was like the coolest shit I was ever watching, and I wanted to see more of that.
1: Right. Yep, same here. Same exact thing. Late nineties car.
0: Late nineties car. I would say early two thousands MotoGP was probably my first real experience of falling in love with motors with motorsport. It was. I grew up a massive like. I grew up like collecting models of of bikes, and it was Kenny Roberts Junior. That was the first guy that I you know backed and you know he won that world title in I think it was two thousand I think he won the world he won the world title the five hundred was that then the five hundred CC championship of all things. But seeing him come through with some young kid called Valentino and mm-hmm. you know the rise of Biagi and some of the fights that they would have and then that's how I got into playing the games I've still got my original copy of motogp four on the PS2 Gathering dust in the corner of my bedroom, um, and by that point we'd seen other guys come into play like Loris Caparossi and Troy Bayliss and Sete and Marco Melandri. That was the golden era of bike races that I grew up with and I fell in love with as a kid. And yeah, that's when that's when it. And you know um, to be fair, I grew up in a house of Rossi supporters, so they fucking loved all the showmanship side of uh, of, of Rossi's bravado in the early parts of his career. So yeah, um, I, I I can't blame him thinking that was awesome. So that that was probably it for me, I would say. Uh, Lewis showing his age in the chat by saying Schumacher in the wet in the nineties. Um, <laughs> good man. Um, uh, late, <laughs> but uh, late nineties indeed. Um, but great question, Henry. Well played. Yes. I,
3: um, I, I have a I have a group. Of questions, o- 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 next. yeah. <laughs> so I figured that these were all so relatively similar that I throw them all in together. This is a group of patron supporter Vakash, Kelly Bone, Marcusor, and Viandra Montesayev contributing our our questions here. <clears throat> Will anyone move up from F1 to IndyCar? Will anyone move up from Formula Three to Formula Two? Will Formula Three championship leader Robert Schwartzman be in F1 by 2021? Will Arthur LeClaire, little brother of Charles, be in Formula 3 next year? Ooh, that's
1: that's a lot to unpack in a short amount of time. Mm. So basically, it's kind of like Feeder Series Roundup, who's hot,
0: who's not right now. I would Uh, certainly say Schwarzman and Armstrong, I think, are big talents to watch going forward. Like you think
1: Swordsman would be an F one in two seasons? He, if
3: he, if if Russia, if because keep in mind he's he's a Russian national, and I think they would spend money to try and get him a seat. It certainly helps that he's a really good driver. Um, yes, I want to tackle uh, Mark Marcus's portion of the question. Uh, do you see anybody in the current Formula Two field um, going to IndyCar next year? Um,
1: uh I don't think that like. I, I, a lot of the seats that uh, I think earlier in an early episode, I said, you know, there are talks about the field expanding inside size, just because there would be more seats, mm-hmm. but it seems like a lot of those seats are not coming to fruition. that but- but they're slowly, like, sliding into a position where they're breaking down. Except for, like, maybe, say, the sixth Andretti seat, which is probably going to go to a driver currently
3: in the series. And no, smartasses, we are not counting Jordan King and Patricio Award. They have a bit of a leg up. I'm talking about guys mm. who hadn't raced in IndyCar before going uh, from F2 to IndyCar. There's a couple of names that really stick out to me. One of them pretty much has an F1 deal gu- guaranteed at this point. That's Nicholas Latifi. He would be yeah. one option to consider. The second one I would consider, considering, you know, we don't know what the f- future is for Elio, or Tony Kanan, or Mateus lies for that matter, but if no opportunities in F1 come up for him, Sergio Sete Camera is not a bad shout.
0: You could do a lot worse. That's a great idea.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was in the same camp of the F2 to F1. Uh, to to IndyCar crop where it's like, it seems like a lot of the people in F two are either really committed to F one, or they're like they're way too green to really be considering leaving F two yet. Right, indeed, interesting
0: stuff. And what about Arthur Leclerc? Anyone fancy his chances here? Oh, so
1: Arthur Leclerc, he's been very good in his first season in German Formula 4. I believe he's either third or second in the championship with one round of three races left to run. He's still in mathematical contention for the title. Mm. Uh, But it's still his first year in uh, German Formula...
3: His first year in Formula 4, period. Um, And, like... (laughs) I can see, see him moving up to the regional championship formula, regional European, yep. that level. I, I don't see him move to the international F3 circuit just yet.
1: Like, it's it's a jump too big. I would say it's the only... Like, I have I have that feeling where, like, the only reason why people have that idea of him just going to F3 next year is because of his last name and who his brother is. Yeah, and that's mm. that's a
3: bit risky. I'll catch. Like,
1: this guy doesn't even have a Wikipedia page yet
3: <laughs> And if he does It's probably just gonna be because uh, You know But, you know what I mean The, the, the uh, true
0: test of elite talent Whether you've got your own Wikipedia page or
3: not Yeah Yeah. Um, <laughs> circling back to Formula 3 drivers Moving up to Formula 2 There's a couple that really stick out to me Obviously Robert Schwartzman If he wins the title He's up for consideration Jayan Darvala, Marcus Armstrong all worth a shot. As is Yuri Vips. Uh, Pedro PK so, has spent enough time at that level. I think he's doing move up. So is Jake Hughes. Those are really the guys. Though, that there stick is out one
1: to me. driver. There is one driver that's already. Uh, I wouldn't say confirmed, but someone who is in control of his academy mm-hmm. has said that he's going to go. That he said he's most likely gonna go to F two next
3: year. Oh, and that is.
1: Ooh, who was it again? Uh, was it? It was from the Red Bull Academy. Uh, so he's so also. It's, my- so it's
3: either Vips, or it's going to be uh, who is who is the other guy that's in the? Is it Liam Lawson? Uh no, actually it
1: is. Um, he's technically also in the Honda Academy. Oh, it's Yuki
3: Tsunoda.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tsunoda. Ah. Helmet. Helmet. Marco's already said that Tsunoda's most likely going to be placed by Red Bull in F two next year.
3: Ooh, spicy. Yeah, yeah. he's coming off a second, a third, and a first in his last three Formula 3 starts. I should also mention as well, not to get too much into a tangent, Honda want to put a Takuma Sato successor, maybe, into an IndyCar seat in 2020. Whether that's Nurei Fukuzumi or Tadasuke Makino, who both raced in Formula 2 last year, or whether it's somebody a little older like Tomoki Nojiri from Super Formula.
0: Nice. Kevin Lee asks, who's gonna come second in World Superbikes next season? Davies, Reddin, or Lowe's? Brackets in a Kawasaki.
3: I love how we're just <laughs> skipping over botes <Batista> already. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. We moved on, guys. We moved on real goddamn quick. Real quick. Um probably Scott Redden. I am. I look, I've not been massively, massively impressed with Reddin in BSB this year. But I do think he's good with the Panagale. I think he'll probably bring his crew chief with him to Ducati next year, um, who have more or less confirmed that Bautista's out of the team for next season already. And I'm not entirely convinced Davies is the rider he was two years ago when he was the ample number two to Jonathan. So if I had to nail my flag to the mast, I'd say probably Scott Redding. Lewis says Vandermark
3: in the background. Uh, that's that's a good uh, uh, option. Yeah, real D. good pick. <laughs> that's a good option D. Solid option, I'm... solid shout. And that's why I'm going with Top Rack. Oh,
0: Top Rack first year on a Yamaha over Michael Vandermark, who's been the consensus elite driver in the series for a couple years.
3: I, 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 I want to shake things up a bit. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, he's, he's listen. He's a sensational talent. Like, I, I like seriously think it's it's it, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. Let's put it that way. Um. So You know Pick from you King maybe
1: Uh, I think I'm just gonna go Scott Redding I, I think I think just He'll
3: You know I just don't put know together What see- Scott Redding brings to the table That Batista didn't already Yeah <laughs> <the same time. laughs> I, I know, <laughs> like I,
1: I, it's not a pick for Reading. It's more of a pick for the bike.
0: <laughs> um, I would say, I would say, what Reading would bring to the table is fifteen girlfriends and um. Chaz Mono, Davis maybe. is still there. <laughs> Chaz Davis Chaz is, is still there. Here. Chaz is still there. Uh, you know, is he going to be a better pick than what Bautista was last year? Is he going to bin it like Bautista did last season? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard question. But uh, yeah, like Lewis seems to think that 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 Reddin might be a better pick than Bautista long term. It might be. It could very well be. It wouldn't surprise me because Bautista has has made so many mistakes this season that you know you'd think it it would take a monumental disaster for Reddin to be worse. Um. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one, but but the top rack is a very fair shout, I would say, and uh, I think the kid's sensational, I really do Um, Conrad O'Keefe asks, what's the better series, A1 Grand Prix or Super League Formula?
2: Oh
1: boy we're going... Both very wild concepts
0: (laughs) What do you mean? I want to back back the Tottenham Hotspur car (laughs) (laughs) knowing them they'll probably go wide at the final corner
3: Um... What about the Liverpool FC car?
0: Um, gets a bit too excited over their Dutch talent. Hmm. So when's Verstappen driving for him then? <sighs> oh Lord. <laughs> uh I never watched Super League Formula. Um I actually did watch a fair amount of A1 GP. Uh, it was the, the Arsenal call which settles for fourth every race. We
3: all gotta sit down as a family and watch Not, we all gotta sit down as a family and watch the Shanghai not the Shanghai International Circuit but the Shanghai no, Street no, Race Round. No!
0: no.
3: Is,
0: is, is this available on certain extracurricular motorsport sites? Mm. <laughs> what? If you know where to look yes. <laughs> because uh, I am intrigued.
3: Uh, <laughs> let me just say. Man, but. <laughs> Trey, King's reaction undersells it. Oh.
0: <laughs> I
1: see. <laughs> fucking, what do you have to handbrake turn to make a corner, Trey?
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait a fucking minute. <laughs> I didn't
3: even know a, a single-seater cars had handbrakes. I didn't know either. What the fuck?
1: Moving on swiftly. No 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 I need to talk about my favorite driver who raced in Super League Formula. Go on. For Olympic Lyonnais in the 69 car Sebastian.
3: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a fucking legend.
0: Make it stop. Oh my! We 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 have we have reached peak nice right about now. So folks. so
1: like both have a claim at being the better series.
0: Welp. Uh, oh, oh, But I
1: think I'm gonna go A1GP. <laughs> I,
0: I liked A1GP when it was around. I loved the World Cup concept. I loved the power boost and the tactical elements that it brought to the table. I thought a one GP was very enjoyable, and I'm yeah. not just saying that because I was a 13 year old watching Georgie Thompson host the coverage. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Josh asks if the BMW M1 Pro Car Championship was brought back and the whole grid participated, which driver would win?
3: <laughs> mm. I, I know, oh. I know, it's 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 our buddy Josh Wilcox, so I know what the answer is going to be. It's Bruno Giacomelli, but he's not an <laughs> acceptable driver. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a, that's a problem. <laughs>
3: Uh <laughs> Damn it. Oh uh, gosh. Uh Nico Hulkenberg just cuz he's Juan Lama. Yeah, th- to be would fair. would they
1: race pro cars though? What would be our modern equivalent of a M1 pro car? Oh, definitely uh, not a Tesla Model S.
3: <laughs> so, so Porsche Taycan it is, okay.
0: I say we stick them all in Honda NSX touring cars.
3: <laughs> oh no, even better. I suggest we stick them in the Toyota Pod concept.
0: Yes, <laughs> Gran Turismo concept stand up. <laughs> yeah, maybe Holkenberg. That wouldn't be a bad shout, given his experience in other cars. You know, that could all that wouldn't hurt.
3: Um, or Orlando Norris. For deep the memes.
0: down,
1: deep down, I wouldn't want him to win. No, but gut feeling, I think my pick would have to be Max Verstappen.
0: Get out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and finally. Um, we have bl- been blessed with the presence of only the greatest. Whoa, whoa! Don't, don't, don't say the
1: account name. I've been informed by the owner of this account that Dre
0: should read out the question. I don't like where this is going. Um, what? Okay. I just, I was just informed.
1: Whatever you say is now canon for that account.
0: What? <laughs> So let me get this straight. I am altering account history by reading out what this statement is about to be. <coughs> Wh-
1: however, you pronounce
0: it, that is the canon pronunciation. Oh my! I don't, I don't... <laughs> King, I've ever said I don't like you very much. <laughs> hey, I'm just the messenger here. Oh. Okay. King is not making it out of this podcast alive. (laughs) Whoa,
1: I'm just a messenger.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and on this show, we shoot the messenger. (laughs) Repeatedly, in the kneecaps. Um, (laughs) Drum roll, please. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with... At... Funnies underscore fuma with the one... In there, instead of an I. Yeah, see what I did there? Good luck pronouncing that one, fellas. (laughs) Oh, damn it.
1: I was hoping you'd say F1-E's. God damn
3: it. (laughs) We would like to to address that um, Mr. F1-E's is not any one of our friends, and it is not Romain Grosjean.
0: (laughs) The quote here is literally F1 Funnies, who is absolutely not Josh, Brennan, Haley, or Romain Grosjean. You know who you are, listeners. If you had unlimited resources, which old F1 track would you bring back to modern F1? Brackets. And why is it Caesar's... (laughs) 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 Who let him follow this account? (laughs)
3: Because Caesar's Palace is where champions and legends are made. You look throughout boxing history, and you'll see so many great fights that took place at no, Caesar's no, no, Palace. No, 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 no. That took that took place in the arena at Caesar's Palace. Oh, We're talking about outside at Caesar's
1: Palace. Then, in that I'm, case,
3: you will consider so many legendary cases of intoxication after blowing all your money in Caesar's Palace <laughs> Casino.
1: I'm going to fight and, all of you. And let, let's, let's not forget WrestleMania
3: 9. The greatest WrestleMania of them all.
0: <laughs> I'm going to start beating you now. I don't know when I'll stop. The track the
3: track looks just like uh, a three-fingered like claw hand, and I think that's perfect for White Claw Hard Seltzer to get in on this. Whoa.
1: We also need to note that the oval version of Caesar's Palace, Mario Andretti said it was the greatest oval he ever drove. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an, like, it's an actual quote. He, it's on film.
0: He said it. I, 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 I have no words left for this show. <coughs> Malice at the Palace M101 Edition <laughs> Yep, yeah. some somebody throw a beer in my face. I dare you. I fucking Fucking dare you But okay, moving on
1: from Caesar's Palace. What other old F1 track would you bring back?
0: Imola. next question Um That actually might actually come back and? Thanks Charles <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Charles got a boy Charles Do the Lord's work Uh,
3: uh my my genuine serious pick uh Maybe not so much for F1, but if they're not using that site that you tore down Riverside Raceway to uh to to build up, then just rebuild Riverside Raceway. It ain't yeah, that we'll hard.
1: S- tear down the dead mall that you <laughs> that, that you replace Riverside with and
3: build Riverside again. And while you're yeah. at it, build an Ontario Motor Speedway too and let Ryan Eric King be the serial man men- that cut the ribbon.
0: <laughs> also, just take the safe pick and bring back Istanbul Park. Um... Not Constantinople? But, no! No, we're bringing back the car park, dammit! Um... So, so it's
3: in Istanbul, and not Constantinople. So, we we
1: finally got to the point of the mailbag where I get to answer the first question with the last question, too. Go on. So, the, the F1 circuit I'd bring back would be uh, Roms in France, which is basically like a mini version of the Circuit de la Sarthe, And some years they hosted the French Grand Prix. It was also a doubleheader with the second biggest sports car race of the year, the 12 Hours of Roms, which was considered like, you know, a mini Le Mans. That'd be awesome if we could get a World Endurance Championship
3: F1 doubleheader.
0: That does sound like fun. That does sound like fun.
3: And they'd never agree to it, because of course it would never happen.
0: Yeah, they would never agree to it. <laughs> Indeed. I'm gonna get one more question in. Thomas, I see you on Twitter. I'm saving you for next week. Mark my words on this, and if I don't do it, remind me. I'm only cutting it out now because we're short for time. We've already gone over two hours. I wanna and get just to answer Black Mountain chat. When are we going to get an M101
1: review driven? It's never going to happen. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> no. It's never
0: going to happen. I, I, would rather, I would rather sever my own ballsack than review that movie for this podcast. Um, <laughs> last question. Charles Regimble asks I know a criticism of Dre's has been F1 being completely devoid of personality, but could Lando Norris be having a better season if he wasn't so memey?
3: No, no, I think he needs to double down on the memes, honestly. Yeah,
0: he needs to double down. Keeps him loose. Look, make it his gimmick. Like, he's become become the mean guy. That's his gimmick. Embrace the gimmick. He
1: needs to make himself so invaluable to the marketing side of the team that they could never consider firing him.
0: Look, the man was going to stand for a national anthem with a Valentino Rossi cap on his head. I don't, like, like, is there anything more meme-like in Formula 1 right now than that? God bless Uncle Carlos signs for doing the right thing and yanking it off his head. It was hilarious. <laughs> but no, no, like, the memes and the fume is part of the reason why we like Nando. And I'm not the meme guy on the internet saying this. That says a lot, quite frankly. So no. Keep the memes, damn it. And he's a damn good driver, if I do say so myself.
3: You're a much better ambassador for this side of the culture than Felix Kelbert. Yeah, I love
0: that Lewis says, yeah, I kind of have to claim partial responsibility for making Lenando such a fanboy. <laughs> Where to go, Lewis. Where to go.
3: <laughs> and on that bombshell...
0: Yeah, it's time to get out of here. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We're on YouTube.com slash Motorsport101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our particular usernames at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. Our website, Motorsport101.com. New written article will be on there by the time this goes out. Um, and if you are really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our shows. Ten gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server. We can listen to these shows live as they go out. Thank you very much to everyone in the chat that's been listening in. Brian, Vic, Lewis, James, Vince, Tony. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Much appreciated. We'll be back next week, probably for two episodes. Just saying. To cover the triple crown of uh, Day of Classics Winter Edition, I guess. Autumn Edition, if you want to call it that. Formula One in Singapore. Aragon for MotoGP and the IndyCar season finale at Laguna Seca. It's going to be a fantastic weekend in Motorsport. I hope you're tuning in for all of that. But until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and and, and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Sayonara.
3: Later, y'all. Why?
0: Now I have to ask before we get out of town here. Um, who renamed a part of the Discord server to Chadwick Picks only?
1: Whoa, whoa! Don't put that on the recording. No.
0: <laughs> I think I just answered my own question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: when <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>